What a difference. The Talkbuster Podcast. Hi, I'm Chris Chipman. You may remember me from such podcasts as the Chipman Brothers Tangent and Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. I'm here to bring you back to the late 90s, early 2000s, a time of amrays and clamshells, a time of late fees and VHS tapes being replaced by DVDs, a time of stale gumballs and overpriced candy. Yes, that's right. I am talking about the time of Blockbuster Video, the Walmart of the video rental industry, the mom-and-pop video store killer, the corporate big-choice video store that everybody loved to hate. Blockbuster is mostly gone now. Kids today will never know the crazy Friday and Saturday nights with lines wrapped around the store to rent the next big movie. No more will regulars, who are in the know, arrive at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays to snatch up the new rentals that week before the weekend rush. Most of all, no longer will young movie geeks like myself have the memories I, and many others like me, made while working there. You see, under all of the corporate evil and bad practices, Blockbuster was a home, a comfort, a place where I made lifelong friends and even met my wife. It is because of these memories that I, and I'm sure many of you, have that the Talkbuster podcast was created, a place for me and others to share our memories of what once was, of the before time, of the long, long ago. I'm looking forward to see where this goes, how it evolves. Join me, won't you? Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another fun-filled episode of the Talkbuster podcast. Before I get to today's very special guest, I'd like to thank my $15 or more a month patrons. You are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin C.V., Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price, Collaborating Online, Alex Shaw, Seth Comfort, Seth Decker, Andrew Krauss, Robert V. Aldrich, Aaron Moriarty, Carolyn Thompson, Scott Arcuri, Shar Hansen, Gusted, and the Geeks with Shields podcast. You were all incredible. Thank you so much for the support. Um, I would do all of this for absolutely 100% free because I just enjoy the outlet. But those of you that are willing to throw a little support, allow this to um, also supplement some income so I don't have to do my crazy day job for unpaid amounts of hours or other crazy things but um I, I really appreciate it and thank you all so so much this show like a lot of my shows is brought to you by the geeks with shields podcast each week host axel and Ulrich provide a nerdy escape from the darkest timeline talking everything from comics to long forgotten movies and tv shows if the darkest timeline has you down check out the geeks with shields podcast for all your nerdy needs and with that um, those of you, uh, at the time we're recording this, this is, uh, in late March, 2021 and the last blockbuster documentary has hit Netflix about a week or two ago. I think it was on the 16th and the fan groups on Facebook and just the discourse about blockbuster in general is exploding. And, um, we have a guest from one of those fan groups today who, uh, got in contact with me and we've been talking about blockbuster. Jeremy, tell everybody who you are, man. Hey everybody, my name is Jeremy, hail from Phoenix, Arizona. I am a native here. I first started working for Blockbuster back in 2000, worked there for a full two years. It was uh, exhilarating, exciting, fun, best part-time job probably I've ever had in my entire life. And I thank you for the opportunity to allow me to come on today. I really appreciate that. And, you know, it, it it's funny for a company that at the time it existed and still even with a lot of people now the outward view of it was so cynical 
Mm-hmm. Um, and again, yeah, corporate entity, you know, big, big, bad money people. Oh, they made mistakes and oh, Netflix and all this and all that. And the discourse goes crazy. But everybody I've ever had on this show, it's always best part time job I ever had. Best retail job I ever had. I, I still tell people this. I use it on um, resumes still to this day. And they go, why would you put, you know, your high school, college job on a resume? It's like, because I was a store manager, you know, like where else would I have learned to be patient with human beings? You know, <laughs> that's really, really important. And this job gave you people at their best and people at their worst. And people would think it's silly to think that because it's about movies. But the the job and the product were so much less complicated than like mm-hmm. a grocery store or a food place. So it became much more personal. You know, oh, it was about taste. Absolutely. It was about, and it, and it just, it, it was just a very different place to be. And there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it anymore. I don't think maybe a comic shop, if they still exist, you know, in your area. Right. Yeah, and it seemed like all of the associates had their own sort of lingo. Like, if you were doing a balance transfer from one store to another, you could be like, hey, it's Jeremy from 04107. Can you just check on this person's account here for me? You know, and we didn't even speak to, like, where we were. It's just like, you know, this is the five-digit code store we're at. Yes, you know, and, every, you know, and everybody was aware. Yeah. Like, you know, and and then you get the regulars that you talk to a lot, and then you'll get the one, well, this is from 25964, and you'll be like, wait right. a minute. That's not Massachusetts. No, this is Woonsocket, Rhode Island. You'll be like, well, yes. what? <laughs> or, okay. And, then, and now I have friends in Woonsocket, you know, right. who, who right. have their own strange version of the East Coast Boston accent. Right. You already coded your brain. So as you're going through the Dropbox, you're like, oh, our store, our store. Oh, 59th and Bell. Oh, that goes to 67th. Boom, boom. Hollywood video. Not ours. Oh, yeah. Everything- it just it, it it stuck out like a sore thumb, and it was usually yeah. just one one separate number. Like we had two five zero three two, two five zero three eight, two five zero three five, and you just like it, it it like your brain like highlighted it. It was just like boom. <laughs> it's like nope, that ain't right. <laughs> it's coded in there. Yeah, I I can remember. So the store that I trained at, I think it was o five two five two. If I uh, again, I'm just racking my bad brain again there. But uh, yeah, so we were set to open a brand new store in our area. And I remember it because I was I was like 17 years old, not very ambitious, didn't care that I was getting, you know, not great pay, but the benefits you couldn't beat. I mean, you know, free rentals every week was way more important to me than any meager sort of earnings that I thought, you know, I could squeeze out of, uh, you know, my normal free time as a teen. And it helped, you know, at least fill up uh, a lot of those summer hours that you normally just spend at home playing Nintendo or, I don't know, uh, watching reruns of whatever was on TV at the time. But I just remember uh, going into work every time and it's just, you know, sort of like, I had one of those managers. He was an older gentleman, and I'll just come out and say it. He smelled like his hygiene yep. was not was not um, on point. Came with the territory a lot, unfortunately. And um, I guess not a lot of us were just very outspoken about it. But you know, I think he didn't read our body language. Like 
he wasn't picking up on it as much. And then when he brought you into his small office to talk to you or, you know, provide you with some coaching or whatnot, he would usually have like a white tee on some like tight jeans. His chest hair would be bursting out of the top of his tee and he would have like the worst dank breath that you've ever seen. And like, he would inch a little bit closer towards you. And then you'd oh. inch a little bit further away and then he'd keep, you'd have like this tug of war thing back and forth a little bit. And you tried to almost like turn your head a little bit, almost to be like, you know, just like, Hey, I'm <laughs> trying to tell you using my body language here that this is not okay. Yeah. And it's then, like the, the, the hardest and seemingly rudest thing is to point that it feels rude anyway, is to point it out to someone. It's so embarrassing. And it's just, Ah, uh, that, that store was full of them. It's just like, and again, we were all busy. I get it. Like yeah. sometimes, sometimes you show up to work a little too hasty and you maybe didn't shower or, you know, whatever else it is, but man, there were just some that didn't care. <laughs> oh, you know, Steve tried to, um, he, he gave me a hard time about my shoes actually. So I had these wicked cool, as, as, I don't know if this brand is still around anymore, but they were called and one. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So my shoes, these were probably the funkiest shoes I've ever had purchased before, but they had colors of like red, yellow, and orange, just going right up both of the sides. And, uh, I had actually gotten compliments on them from customers. They'd be like, Whoa, those shoes are pretty tight. You know, whatnot. Steve was like, those shoes hurt my eyes. I don't want you to wear them anymore. What? Seriously. So, uh, I was like, Steve, it's it's just shoes you know i don't think there's anything in the handbook that really goes against this type of thing there used to be there was there really i need to know about this oh yeah yeah so what time what years did you work there from 2000 through 2002 ah okay yeah so just before because i started in 2001 but the people i worked with had been there for a while okay. they showed us the old thing it the handbook said it had to be the the company provided polo shirt. You, there were things in there about hair lengths and tattoos and yada 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 and this that and the other thing, and they had to be straight, non pleated, non wide khakis without cargo pockets, and they had to be shined dress shoes. Shined dress shined shoes. dress shoes. They wanted everybody to look exactly the same. Okay. Well, I guess he must have only cared about the shoes because half of our staff wore shorts in the summer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The shorts in the summer thing was something like you'd get an old district leader that forgot that they had changed the policy. Okay. They, and, and they would come in and like rip us a new one. And we're like, it says right here that between this month and this month, shorts are okay. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't know about anyone else, but for me... It, wearing like shine dress shoes with shorts just seems extremely awkward, right? Or just <laughs> or just with a polo shirt and khakis. Like it, it's we're not. I don't know. Like it, to me, that's like a blazer or like a button up shirt, or at least like I can see that like a movie theater, you know, with like wanting the old fashioned look of the belt, you know, the the concierge that takes. I can see, but like this is a blockbuster. Like we're on our feet, we're moving. We got to wear something comfortable, man. No, yeah, I I completely understand. I mean, and we're we're just you know movie video game type of experts. You know, we're not uh, you know 
trying to sell these people uh, a portfolio of some sort. Right, like, here, I'm on, I'm on commission. Can I tell you about our our upgraded automobile package? Like, what, what? Right? <laughs> yeah, no, it was like, hey, you want to see this direct TV demonstration? Oh, God, I hated that. I, I was just talking to someone the other day. It's like, and people, people now, you tell them that, and they go, well, yeah, that makes sense. Weren't they owned by a dish company? I'm like, yeah, yeah, Dish Network, 11 years later. Right. Like, the direct TV thing didn't make any sense. No. Go home, buy this so you don't have to come here and rent movies anymore. Yep. Doesn't yeah. seem like a good business model. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This is true. Yeah, I had some, oh man, there's some weird things that happened throughout my yeah. time here. There it, was, it, there was, okay, I can remember one specifically where uh, Steve brought me into his office one day and he said, um, did you give out your card from another store to like somebody, you know, or one of your friends or whatnot? And I was like, no. And he's like, cause there were these two kids and he showed me the security footage of them, like checking out these movies that were never returned. And they used a card that was in my name. that was issued from another store. Uh Oh, I don't even know if they knew that I was an employee or not but he was like super sus if you will and i was like steve i've never i haven't been to that store in probably like a year and a half you know i've been working here for so and so long and i don't even recognize these guys you just showed me this video footage of so that was like it was it was kind of creepy too so i was like well maybe my mom threw out the card and somebody found it or it was it was super weird. I <laughs> I thought I was right. in trouble. No, right, and and they that that was the thing, right? They were always so like so careful and protective of. I mean, what were they really protecting at that point? Like, okay, okay, shouldn't they be concerned for like you? Like, what if your credit card is on that account? But no, right. they're like worried about we lost two pieces of product. It's like, um, yeah, we're this made shrinkage. What's the deal? Oh, and then so so, and th- this gets in, me into into another amazing point. Do you know the the corporate retail textbook definition of shrink? I think you mentioned it on your last. Yeah, episode. it, 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 it uh, employee theft, and it's like, right. and I get it, I get it. It's your fault, you know, for not like keeping a better eye. But what when it's like one o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday and you don't realize you're going to be busy and you only scheduled one employee. What are you going to do then? But you know, it's just that idea that like, yet you're getting paid to the lowest common denominator to work the standards that don't work. Like, right. You kind of had to make up your own way of running the store. Like the way the corporate way to run was not conducive to a happy customer employee relationship. Um, it was the, employees that made it their own that made the store great and the customers that wanted to interact that made it great but everything they tried to do was the antithesis of that oh yeah and it was such a bummer because like right like there was um an employee at our store who uh you know just not even thinking had another employee's account up like he'd just been looking at it and rented to a couple people on that account that was up on the screen Nothing Whoa. happened. The movies got returned, you okay. know, whatever. But 
the company was on like a like a sting mission to like catch people doing something and so they used that as an excuse to get a warrant to search the guy's house Whoa. right and then they found that like everybody he had taken home a couple field destroy movies even though you're not supposed to but like the old manager would like give them out so they so they canned him for Whoa. stealing product and it's like Whoa. What? Like it, it, we 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 fought it and got him back. It it's it, you know what I mean. It, but it was just like one of those things. It's like, are you paying attention? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it it did seem a little wonky sometimes. I mean, we had uh, one guy that I worked with that I and I only heard about this after the fact, but he witnessed a customer that like grabbed a product, um, ran through the detector into the parking lot, and he ran after the dude. And yep. like tried to tackle him and and get the product back like he was, you know, trying to be heroic or something like that. I'm just thinking to myself, this is not even your product. I mean, you know, I get that you're, you know, you think that you have some sort of prideful duty or something wearing our, uh, <laughs> our, our blockbuster name tag and whatnot. But for the most part, I mean... Let's let's leave the authoritative stuff with the authorities while we're at it. And this is the same guy. So this guy thought he would be smart too. I mean, he got uh, I think a short suspension after that. <laughs> but uh, upon his return, so he found out that there were a ton of like different codes that you can enter, like if you're ringing up just regular retail stuff. And he would ask, you know, whoever was on duty. Let's say he came in off his shift and. You know, he'd bring up some stuff and he'd ask one of the managers, he'd say, hey, Seth, can you enter so-and-so code and give him some random alphanumeric thing? And it took like a percentage immediately off. Yep. And then he's like, you know, you can do this and that there's actually these other codes that just keep taking more and more money off of it. And I'm just thinking to myself, what, what is going on here? I broke the system, man. I'm going to get this. Dollar twenty-five Coke and a bag of popcorn for fifty cents less. I did it. <laughs> it broke the system. Yeah. No, that was actually okay. So one of the things we were allowed to do. I don't know if this applied at all stores, but were, were um, you in a franchise or a corporate? By the way, I imagine it was a corporate. Yeah, yeah, it was okay. definitely corporate because Steve had like very. I doubt he could run like a subway. Um, <laughs> much, <laughs> much less a blockbuster, but did you warm the meat in the water bath today? <laughs> no, but for reals, um, oh shoot. What was I, uh, sorry, you, you were going to tell, um, oh man, sorry about that. Just cut. No, no, no. You, you, you were talking about, uh. I asked you if you were in corporate or franchise. You were talking oh, about Steve. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> it was funny, too, because closer to the end of my employment with Blockbuster, um, we had this, like, big gathering with regional. Um, it was, you know, the, everyone who worked at the store and our local managers. And um, they, I guess they had had a long talk with Steve about because he wasn't, like, super personable. And I guess after he had had a long talk with the regional manager, he was like to the rest of the staff in front of regional manager. He's like, remember, if you have any 
problems, whether they be business or personal, you can always come and talk to me. Like this is super robotic and very uncomfortable and awkward. Jeez. Oh man. It's complete. It, it's, it's so bonkers. Like the, the, the type of people that the stores would attract to work, um, it, 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 you know, you, you just got such a weird mixed group because you'd get like the people like Steve that, you know, were just like probably wanted to be a retail manager and it didn't really matter mm-hmm. what store they were at, but they're, right. they're proud of it, you know, but a little weird and a little off. And, and then you get, you know, the, the folks like you and me, which I assume you don't want a part-time job also like movies. Then you get the people every once in a while that like did not give a crap about the product at all. Mm-hmm. And we're just like, and not to say, because you had the ones that were like that and were bad employees, but you get the ones that like, no, this was 100% just a job and they were still good at it. But you're right. like, but you talk to them and they like, don't like movies and you're just yeah. like, well, how, but you're, but like you did a great job, like helping that person. It's like, I, I just can't. I've never been able to find anything in my life that I can do at that level of efficiency mm-hmm. without having some enthusiasm for it. No, no. And it, it, it's, it was very rewarding to be able to help people with something that you felt confident in and your ability to provide them with the knowledge that you had if they had questions or if they needed a recommendation. Um, one of the cool things that I liked that I don't know if this was available at Allstars, but we had a a barcode that we could scan to give them free popcorn. If anything, yep. like if they were upset with anything yep. or, you know, if, you know, they were cheesed off about having to pay late fees, oh, I'll throw in a free popcorn type of thing. And that, um, oh, and then, you know, if like pretty girl came in and is like, oh, I know it's late. It'll be like, oh, I'll FOS it for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 yep. Oh, guess what? It's not late anymore. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Funny how that happens. Uh, and for those who don't know FOS, uh, we run a report. Uh, usually, was it once, twice a week? Or is it every yes. day? I think it was twice a week. Okay. So basically, we ran a report that said, hey, the following uh, movies might be out on the shelf and go look for them. And if they're there, scan them because they shouldn't be marked as late. late. Yep. So... Um, I, of course you had the customers that knew that <laughs> and, and they would come in and put their movie back on the shelf and right? Get, like, you know, months worth of late fees expunged. Right. Or they, you know, uh, brought their movie in at one thirty before the two hour, uh, bridge time and dropped it in the box. And, uh, we're like, Oh, I just dropped it in the box. Uh, wink, wink. And you're just like, well, <laughs> Yeah, it, it, I, I did like using that to the benefit of the other person going, oh my god, I completely messed up, like I, I just dropped yes. it back there, and it's like, don't worry, I think I got you taken care of. Right, <laughs> right. It were... in, like, I'm not doing anything right now, because it's still on time. You were special, right? You could be like, hey, uh, remember how I scanned that video? Remember to take this survey and <laughs> write my name down. And oh, yeah. And whatnot. And oh, it was, it was always so much fun to like, you know, when you had a person that was being really difficult. And you were the manager and God, they hated seeing like a 17, 18 year old kid that was the manager. Oh my God. They hated it so much. Oh my God. And what I would do is I had two name tags. I had the one that said manager on it and the one that was my regular one. And I'd wear the regular one while I was working. 
Mm-hmm. And then they'd say, this is ridiculous. I need to see your manager. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'd unpin it and pin the new one in and go, nice to meet you. And that, that's my <laughs> name on the on the sign right there. Um, you probably didn't see that, you know, right, right in the back. Then like, yeah. oh, and I'd be like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. You you can drop it off afternoon. Like we we have a two o'clock window, but we're not obligated to check it in afternoon. <laughs> so, um, what was your problem again? <laughs> right, you know what I mean. Exactly. That was you could always find a way to to grease the wheels in your favor. And that and was that... You know, that was like I think the thing that people forget mm-hmm. is that it's like, you know, the fees and stuff, the bank of America and other places, you know, gotten a lot of trouble for late fees were the revenue of the company. And even mom and pops ended up running into this issue where like, that's kind of a revenue stream that stopped the, the bleed out, you know what I mean? For a while when the companies just overextended themselves and had too much product and grew too fast and couldn't sustain. And so, yeah, it was set up to be, predatory and to intentionally be set up to mess you up it it, that's what it was all about but we had full capability to make any of that go away if you were a good person right no absolutely i think people forget is they immediately went to the most vile brutal nasty reaction when you'd say hey you know you got a late fee of eight dollars and fifty cents for a movie and they would just go to eleven and didn't realize like the next thing was going to be out of my mouth, probably like, well, what went down there? Was there a problem? You know, was, was you stuck in the rain? Was the, was the receipt confused, you know, confusing? Um, oh, I see you rented a week rental with it and you got a two day with it and you dropped them both off at the same time. You know what? I don't see that many other late fees on your, that have been taken off on your account. Let me take right. care of that for you. That's right. literally always going to be my next statement. And they always went to verbal assault. Like oh man! Yeah. Over four bucks. Yeah, it was always about you know just like oh, or they or they completely deny it. That's the other thing. It's like oh no, it it definitely wasn't late. Like there's no chance. I I dropped it on that very same day. You know, same old story type of thing. And you know it it. it, 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 it you can always tell them it's like, oh, okay, oh, that day, okay, so so it was checked in at you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon. Well, we empty the box at two o'clock again. Mm-hmm. So sorry, <laughs> try a different story. You, you ever seen the movie um, Role Models? Yeah, it always reminds me of the uh, the thing at the beginning where um, Paul Rudd's wife, the, the lawyer, is a uh, girlfriend. I can't remember if it was girlfriend or wife. Is with the guy that they said looks like Phil Collins. And okay. He's, you know, on trial. She's the lawyer defending him, and he's on trial for for stealing a bunch of TVs. And she goes, "Well, we we have this video, and it's a security camera footage of him." And she goes, "That that looks just like you. You know, you sure you don't want to plead guilty?" He goes, "Well, that's not me." And he turns around and goes, "Look at me, Phil <laughs> Harmon, stealing TVs. You know, no, that that's not me." <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Right. And it just always reminds me of that. It's like, it's four bucks guy. Like come up with a sympathetic story and it's probably going to be taken off. Like if you turn around to me and just say, you know what? I was having a rough day that day and I was running late coming home from work and this and that. It's like, you know what? Sweet. You're here to rent (laughs) another movie. You're standing in front of me about to buy more product. (laughs) You know, the chances are I'm going to take this off for you. Uh, uh, Jesus. 
Or, you know, it would usually be like, even if they had a couple of fees on there, it could be like, all right, well, how about if I take half of it off? Right. Exactly. Try to mitigate it. Yeah. I'll take half of it off and give you a free popcorn. There you go. Always with the free popcorn. Oh, by the way, you're a rewards member. You know, you get a free favorite title with this. Oh, man. I was the I was the boss at selling rewards. And it would be it would be so great because initially, right off the back, those packs have a an instant free favorite. So yep. it's just be like, hey, you want a free movie? Yeah, and you know, you know, they'd they'd already be up there getting a new release and a favorite. So you'd be uh-huh. like, well, that favorite's going to be free with the rental, and I got this other coupon for you. So this six dollar and fifty cent rewards package is just paid for, man. <laughs> you know. So oh, we went nuts. I remember those nights where we'd be racing and we'd be very upfront. You know, there was no way to turn it into, um, you know, any sort of subtle, oh, we're just in a sales race right now, you know, on a <laughs> Friday or Saturday night. So it's just like, how many of you people going to get rewards? We're in a race. You know, what <laughs> I mean? and we just, we, we'd, we'd build it up and get it going and they'd get into it. And they'd be like, yeah. you know, to go to this guy. I want him to win. <laughs> like, this is funny. Oh man, I remember sales so much. But DirecTV was the worst when it first oh. rolled out. Um, I remember one of my managers who was uh, phoning in one of our sales, and he was literally sitting there on the phone with the customer waiting there for a good thirty to forty-five minutes just to get somebody on the line who could, you know, uh, just to just to have someone go out to their house so that we can give them their cards so they can get their free rentals for the year. Yep. It was just so, it was such a lazy rollout, in my opinion. I mean, great. You're great at setting up, you know, kiosks where we can show them how the remote works. It's one of those things that totally should have just been a setup later thing. I get like, it's the help of like, you're going to have the, the, the professional, the master is going to set it up for you. Like this, this best buy, you know, TV salesman kind of thing. But it's like, that's not what we were. It's like. You get the free rentals from us for signing up for it. You already paid for the package, so you're bought in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go. We we already did the job. The money, the transaction is there. You know what I mean? Go home and you have to call DirecTV to schedule this. Like that. And then if they don't do it, who cares? <laughs> like I'm, you have the movies, right? Memories. <laughs> <sighs> oh, did your uh, did any of the stores you ever? work at uh get like physically broken into yes oh yeah oh Oh, yeah um and uh people that have been listening to this forever have have heard this one but it was from a very very early episode so uh um i will i will repeat it because it's it's a good one so my buddy paul who's still one of my very, very, very best friends and has been on, I think, two episodes of this show, was the assistant store manager. And back in 2001, there were no shift leaders. So your store would have a store manager and like three or four assistant store managers, and then everyone else was a CSR. Mm -hmm. And they did the shift leader thing to kind of say, these are people with keys that can count tills. You were basically an assistant store manager, but they wanted to pay you less, was basically (laughs) what it was. And... So that was part of his pain is he got demoted to a shift leader. And that was, that was really crappy. But um, at the time he was the first name on the call list because he was the closest manager to the company, to to our, to our blockbuster. He was a town over and he gets a call at like three in the morning that there was an incident at the store. And 
I don't know if I had been hanging. Yeah, yeah, I had gone out with some people that had been working. Because he worked the day shift that day. I had been out with some people that closed. We went out to Denny's and stuff after. So we you know, all got in one person's car and had a car. So I come back and see fire trucks and police. And Paul Ooh. shows up. It's like, what? What's going on? <laughs> Someone had busted the big picture window down in front of the kids section with a sledgehammer. <laughs> and then and then here was the funny thing. Went to a till. And there was a till left in the drawer. We still to this day believe it was an inside job of some kind of I'll just leave this till here. You know what I mean? <laughs> because they didn't go anywhere else. They went for that till. And then left when they couldn't get it, you know, and it was really weird. Right. Um, I, that never really got solved, but that, um, the till drawer was bent from the crowbar for the rest of the time I worked there. Mm -hmm. Um, we had that, we had a few times where we found, um, blood trails from people that had slipped trying to cut a DVD case open with a razor. And, you know, um, we found a bullet, we found, bags of pot all the time um i don't know where why people have them out and i don't know if it's like in like the because you know it's it's weird to think 2001 you know you could go to jail for freaking 15 years for that crap and now you know there's dispensaries in the side of the road on the same road my blockbuster was on so right it, it's it's a weird catch 22 but at the time that was a funny thing to find up oh, someone someone was getting ready to have a good night i wonder what they rented um but uh um there was a few other really funny, weird things. You always heard stories about stores getting robbed at gunpoint. Never happened with us. Right. Um, we had people get very angry and threatened to do shit, like threatened to come back. Like when we were closing, we had um, a cigarette light, the trash barrel on fire out in front of the building oh. one time. We had a car on fire in the parking lot. Still have no idea how that ever happened at the Woburn store. We had um, a, DVD or of tape hit the fire extinguisher in the drop box and set it off the chemical <sighs> fire extinguisher doused the whole store in Whoa. like, you know, in like post buildings falling down soot. It looked, it was terrifying in there. And, um, the company wanted us to stay open. What? After yeah. it was doused? Yeah. After it was doused. We spent, um, we, you know, they had like a professional team come and they had to open every movie and every DVD and clean them because they were just oh. covered in this shit. It was terrible. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, if you were ever wondering what happened, if that chemical fire extinguisher went off in the drop box, it was a, a storm of sand, like oh, it smelled like salt and chemicals. Wow. Just, yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know what's with some people. Uh, we we had someone uh, close to the holidays who had uh, smashed one of the bottom windows next to the oh, drop box. Yep. And it was obviously during off hour, so nobody was there. But they wiped out almost all of our our uh, brand new titles for sale that were still in the uh, jewel boxes. Yep. And uh, so. I mean that was that was a long corporate call and the window didn't get replaced for at least a few days so that was that was a that was yeah it was pretty fun um we had quite a bit of theft it happened more so in video games than than actual movies i think maybe just because of the overall value 
which would I guess would make sense. Um, yeah, for the most part. Uh, that's why. So I I went to Steve and I was like, Steve, you you can't have these on the floor anymore. Just keep the boxes out there, but put all of the discs in the drawers back here behind the registers. And all it it took some doing, but I had to tell him like three four times before he actually did it. And when he implemented it, you know, uh, we had obviously a, a drastic reduction. So you know, did I you... felt a little. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no, you hit on a really important point. Do you know that was the original main thing that set outside of the, you know, it being a family place that didn't have porn. Um, the thing that set the blockbuster model apart from every other video store. No, I didn't. So the, 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 the thing that you just mentioned about the discs going back behind the counter. So the original video stores, um, you know, it was a lease. The creation of a video was a leased product, right? They didn't really have any intention of selling VHSs when they first came out. Um, if you were going to buy one, you had to pay the same price that the rental places did, which was like 120 bucks a pop. And that's why the VHSs still were in the system for that, the older ones, because mm -hmm. that's what the companies used to pay. And so the mom and pops, you'd buy like one or two copies. And so that's a $300 investment, right? until your rental pays it back. So um, they kept all the titles behind the counter on like, you know, library bookshelves and you'd bring up the empty cover box and swap it. And that's how the other places worked. And Blockbuster had this vision. It, it was showing off the might of their power of, we can take this hundred dollar product and put it on the floor where you could easily just stick it in your pants and walk out the door. And we are so powerful and so much better than those mom and pops that we don't give a crap. And that was literally like what their strategy was, was oh, it was, okay, look yeah. at our opulence. We don't care. It's yeah. I, damn. <laughs> I started watching the last blockbuster today. Awesome. Um, I watched it so today too. Strangely. I haven't seen the, I haven't seen it all the way through, but I do plan to, but I, I remember hearing and what they were saying about that, how competing mom and pop shops had to, uh, exhort to those that that exact type of business model. Whereas Blockbuster kind of beat around the bush there, went to the studios and said, "Hey, sell us this movie for five bucks, and then we'll revenue share all the money we make off of the rentals because we have X amount of stores and you know rich white guys funding our capital." Oh yeah, and then when they got bought by Viacom, oh, it just went to the heavens because it's like Viacom owned three or four film studios. So then oh, it's man. like, now it's like, well, guess, guess, guess who's not getting those studios product, all of the other stores that are competition, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And when I heard that they actually had, uh, drew up, uh, a, a model for that, uh, what was it like a theme park or yep. a water park? Wayne Huizinga wanted to do blockbuster land. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I was like, man, that shit's going to be bigger than action park. Yeah. Oh, it's like, go action park. Oh, did you see that documentary too I on did. HBO? I did. And then did you see, even though it's not great, it's still a lot of fun. Did you see the um Johnny Knoxville and the Jackass guys made a movie that they filmed there? No, I didn't, but now I'm gonna have to Where look that up. It was about basically it, it was action park and everything but title, but like it was just an excuse for him and the Jackass guys to with a rough story. Go God. on all the rides, Action Park, and I did. Oh no! Oh no! No no! The 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 concrete water slide with oh, a loop. Oh my God. <laughs> like, oh, what my the God. hell is wrong with people? 
I don't know how anyone would even want to step foot in there after watching that documentary. My my I mean, uh, my cousin in law, I guess you'd call him, grew up in yeah. Jersey and has been to act went to Action Park all the time when he was a kid. And he's just like <laughs> the amount of ambulances that were always there. Oh no, absolutely. I have a, a friend of mine who's uh who's an attorney and who also he and his friends almost every summer would go to Action Park and they played something called the Hap Game. I don't know if you've heard of this. No. But so it's in so they have like a lazy river, which by itself, you know, jagged edges all the way through. But uh so they would I guess they would throw a hat like in a random place and it would be like a scourge like tackle and beat each other down to try and get the hat and wear the hat for as long as you can and try and be the one wearing the hat at the end of the damn lazy river. In addition to all the other hazardous stuff going on. Oh my God. The exposed wires. The... Right. <laughs> no, that, that documentary was insane. I, I love weird ass Americana like that because you grow up thinking like Everybody thinks of like the Disney worlds and the universals and the everything, but what about the mom and pop theme parks? What about the ones that are like cobbled together? We've got some doozies up in New Hampshire that like have some, and and I mean, I've gotten, you're you're in Arizona. I'm sure you can, you can, there's some, it's just the minute you get a little bit off the beaten path into areas that like became vacation areas, but Uh they weren't you know, in civilized areas, you get the weirdest sideshow attraction cobbled together by someone in their yard places. And I love it. You know what? And it's funny too, because I, I did actually have a local water park that was sort of not exactly reminiscent of it, but it had stories of things that happened there that as a child, I knew nothing about. It was called water world. Um, they uh they they had a few people that got sucked under in the water in the wave pool similar oh, no. to action park yeah uh they had a huge uh i don't know, it's not exactly 90 degrees but it was like a super straight down uh slide called uh, kilimanjaro um let's just say it was a terrible name <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> because, my god uh some kid almost did uh, die. I think he almost like flew off just because it, you know, you pick up so much speed on him there. And then he had some lift coming off of the bottom cause he was so small. And I, again, I, I never witnessed anything firsthand, but you know, I, I got my cuts and scrapes there as well. So, you know, to oh, an extent, yeah. I think, I think maybe all of us have a little bit of action park experience. Oh <laughs> man. All of us. There, there was this water park called whale's tail in new hampshire and and they've they've since renovated it and added to it but all those water parks always had the the slides in the old area you know the slides that were like there forever and this park had these really cool like intense like dueling water slides that come in and out of tubes and they were just it was there were they were a lot of fun but they had these areas super high off the ground where you'd go down these little drops and the tube was open. So you'd come out of a tube and see the park for a minute. And the way it was designed, it's almost like there should have been a barrier there that they forgot to put on. And they gave you like the slip, like, because they started realizing that people were getting scuffed up by, 
you know, the fiberglass. <laughs> so they gave you, you know, like the like foam mat that you'd ride down to slip better. So when you'd come out of the tube in the edge, if you rotated it all, part of your body would be hanging off the edge and it happened to me so many times and it's just like what if like you weren't in control what if you just like gave the gave yourself to the slide and like let it happen you'd fly right off (laughs) you know you're like 30 feet off the ground It's, it's and it wasn't just water parks too i had uh when i first started working for in the finance industry um so a guy sat right by me, uh, had worked for Six Flags as a supervisor for a number of years. And yeah, he told me, you know, just some of the horrific horror stories. And that he said, I think that was in 2004 when I first met him. And he said, uh, since the park had originally opened, he said uh, there were a total of six deaths at the time. I don't know what it's at now. But he had described one. And he, are you familiar with the Superman ride that it just like, like zero to 60 in what, like 2.4 seconds or whatever it is. Which, um, which park is this at again? Oh, six flags. I'm sorry. In, uh, this is in, uh, Valencia, California. Okay, cool. I was going to say, cause we, we have a Superman so many too at our six flags. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm following now. Yep. And, uh, so the way he described this one incident is that somebody was on this, like this Superman ride. So it, it's just like a straight shot shoots you up like 90 degrees straight. Yep. I'm supposed to come right back. And I guess there was uh, some issue with the 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 cart, or it was it was very unstable. So this person's legs had like dropped like right through, and were hanging there um, in the midst of the track before it was about to launch. And when it launched, it completely sliced them off from the knees, and it still sent this person in the in the carriage all the way up the hill and back down. Without legs. Without legs from the knees down. And I'm just like, okay, enough story. That's time just torture. Now. Oh Damn. my gosh. Wow. Yeah, it, it it's when you look at stuff like that, especially when like after going to college for engineering and realizing one, how much <laughs> thought actually does get put into them because it, it's amazing. But you also look and go, these are death traps. Yeah. Like it there there's not much like they're definitely safe when they're kept safe. Right. <laughs> but the minute like, Oh God, it's, it's just too many variables of metal and speed and not good. Um, so speaking of water parks that when you're a kid seem like the coolest damn place in the world, but looking back on them, they're incredibly unsafe. Yeah. And you, uh, you realize now why they don't exist anymore even though you can go online and watch amazing videos on defunct land um, about the remnants of this place. Have you ever heard of a place at Disney world called river country? Disney world. I've only yeah. been there once. I've only been there once. And I was at, I, I spent most of my time in the magic kingdom. Okay. But I think, I think I'm familiar with the park. So Disney world had this relic of its original opening um at least i think it's near the original but like you know a lot of disney world changes with the times and updates and the rides get safer and things move on well they have a a campground which is something i didn't know but there's a campground called pioneer village i believe not pioneer village 
Um, it's something like that. And that still exists. So you can go to Disney World and you can camp, which I think is kind of a cool thing. But yet there's still buses that take you to the park and everything. Right. But you can like straight up, you know, tent camp if you want and then go to the, which which is fun. Yeah. Um, but they there was a water park at this place and it looked like something. It looked like a film set for like a Peter Pan movie. It was, it was amazing. It had like giant towers and tree houses and rope swings and zip lines and water slides that like were 20 feet off the water and would just open up and you'd fly and fall down rope swings. Like all of these things that when you're a kid, this is the coolest goddamn thing in the world. They, they had, um, wooden poles you could walk out onto and then the person would swing it out over the water and you could dive down. But what was really cool about it is they built it on a lake. So you were swimming in lake water. You weren't in a pool. The water slides would dump down into the lake. And when you're a kid, you know, from the Northeast, you don't really think about, but looking (laughs) back on it, how did they keep wildlife out? (laughs) Like Florida is infested with very large lizards that and... want to eat you. And, and we went to this place and I mean, these, you know, you weren't on like a harness, you climbed, you know, a ladder and there was a guy up the top, you know, a, a young kid that would tell you, okay, you can go now. And you'd just grab onto these handles and zip line, you know, from 40 feet in the air down into the water. And I'm like, this is definitely a relic of like when my parents were kids, like, Oh yeah, it's perfectly <laughs> safe. Kids bounce, you know? And like, I'm here in 1992 thinking, how many people break their necks at this place? And like, they had these incredible like river raft rides that were on, you know, like it was made to look like you were rafting in the dirt, you know, in, on like a river. And, but so it was like built into the actual like ground. And like, I, I recommend after this, go on defunct land and look up river country. You will be amazed oh that this existed at a major theme park. It's not levels of action park, but it's just, it's so unique and it's so Disney world, but it's so not today's like lawyer filled Disney world. It was like, somebody said, yeah, this'll be fun. <laughs> and it, it was fun. And I think it closed like two years after I went to it. Um, no, and I don't think, I can't remember if it was for anything other than, you know, they just moved on. They built two other water parks and yeah. that's, that's the thing with Disney world. They have so much land that mm-hmm. they just close parks and forget about them. <laughs> And build something new somewhere else. It's like, that, yeah. that's insane. They also I, it, have the most <laughs> advanced mosquito control on the planet. Really? I did not know about yep. that. Uh, I remember my dad taking me to Disneyland when, for the first time, I think when I was like four or five years old. And I, I wrote a joke about it years ago. So when I was at, like, I was like, me at age five uh and i was telling my dad or my dad asked me he's like well what's your favorite ride and i said the bus ride to and from the parking lot and ah. i said i said me at age 33 and my son asked me dad what's your favorite ride and i said the bus ride to and from the parking lot awesome that is such a dad one that that's so good that's so good my my, my father w- was such an interesting person because he he was very childish about mm-hmm. things but yeah. he had that same attitude like nothing impresses me nothing impresses me nothing impresses me you know i'm just everything was a burden even though you could tell in the background he was having fun but that but 
get him on Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh yeah, different guy shows up. We we only went a few times as a family, but he'd be like bitching and moaning. Why do we have to get up at eight to come to this park? And then put him in line for Pirates of the Caribbean. He comes through the ride and he goes, "All right." He's like, "We're gonna go on that again, right?" <laughs> like he just became like a little kid. He was just so yes. happy, and it's, then right back to complaining again after that. It's so funny how your perspective changes over time. Because when I was a kid, um, the the atmosphere, the characters, the the food didn't matter to me at all. I just wanted to get on something that would move me yep. more than I could move myself. You know, if I'm being moved by something made of uh, lots of machinery and and cranks and whatnot, I'm happy. Now that I'm older, I don't care about movement anymore. Give me atmosphere. Give me food. <laughs> and that's me what characters they, they nailed it in that respect. That's what because we we went for a wedding um to florida with our six month old yeah and we're like oh my god we gotta go to this wedding and it it was a beautiful wedding but it's like this is really out of the way we drove we just said we're gonna drive down to florida we visited friends and it was great it it worked out perfect and we're down there and we're like you know what should we go to disney like just just one day yeah it's stupid expensive but it's disney world when are we going to be down here again let's just go to the magic kingdom for a day we'll we'll get up early we'll go there we'll have memories and photos with our six-month-old that won't remember it but we will have gone to disney world and we're like and we'll leave at like three in the afternoon to get on the road to make it to georgia um for our hotel right and so you know we're like great well we ended up having it was magic. Like we hadn't been since we were younger, like probably in like our late teens. So we're running around at like 32 years old, giddy and like going on everything, <laughs> looking at every character, getting in every line to see every character, getting photos, yeah. the fireworks start going off. Oh man. To signal 9 PM, six hours after we said we were going to leave. And we both turned to each other and went, Oh, we had the best day. Like oh, it man. was unbelievable. And that that's what I always remind people. They go, Oh, Disney's expensive. I go, Disney is magic. There's <laughs> a reason why it's expensive. It is magic. Like they are, they are not screwing around. Oh, and also I don't know when the last time you've ever been near a Disney park or looked up Mickey talks now. <gasps> no, I, it's been about five years from they were trying it out so they they've changed the model with the characters the characters still walk around but there's no like stop a character and go up and take a picture with them because it's just too many people so they do pre-set up areas where characters do meet and greets and so you can get like a fast pass for a line for it and all that like a ride and it actually makes it a lot smoother i think especially when you have a kid that wants i want to see cinderella you can see cinderella at three you know what I mean? It, it's it's perfect. Um, but Mickey is special. They have a theater up the front where they do like an old like um, uh, Steamboat Willie show. And behind that theater, they have like a, a green room, like where like Mickey would be getting ready to do a magic act. And you walk in and Mickey gets up from the seat and they have you tell them the name of the people in your party. And there's a guy at a control room controlling the animatronic head. And Mickey flat out interacts with you for like 15 minutes. Oh, it's that's pretty sweet. My my daughter was six months. Mickey comes up. How are you, Ava? Nice to meet you. And I turn to my wife and I just go, hundred dollar price of admission is worth it right now. I'm talking to Mickey. 
Like I'm like it, it, it could have either been the creepiest thing in the world or perfect, <laughs> and it was perfect. It, it's like looking back on like those old Jim Henson movies, like an episode of Dinosaurs or the Ninja Turtles movies, where you're like, that's not a puppet, that's Mickey. Like right. that's literally where my mind was at. It was magic. It blew me away. And I... <laughs> it was just so cool. Yeah, I I will absolutely uh, echo uh, the magic part of it. So uh, we took um, all all of my kids uh, back in 2016 um, to the to the California parks, and um, my son was an absolute uh, dynamo of a Star Wars fan. When he found out that he could get into the uh, to train to be a Jedi. Oh. They grouped all the kids in. Oh my gosh, this this kid's mind was absolutely blown. He did it twice, by the way. <laughs> He's two time Jedi, as he likes to say. Um, but we 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 made sure to do the full on experience. So we we made we got reservations at the Blue Bayou, which is the restaurant inside Pirates of the Caribbean. Yep. Um, we did the uh, the the Tuscan Trattoria in California Adventure. Um, I wanted to have the full food experience. I have a culinary background. I nice. love great food. Awesome. I I love great food, and Disney does not uh, does not disappoint. No, when you when all. you go to the to the restaurants, they even like the regular food in the park, like just oh like yeah, the, the hot dog stand stuff is a higher quality than you're used to getting. And you know what? What amazed me this time because this was about. This was the year before the Star Wars thing opened in Orlando that we went because I want to go back and do that so bad. But, um, you know, what I was surprised with, you know, because we just went for a day and just did the walk up to the stands, get the regular food. It's not as crazy expensive as yeah. you think because you're already paying such a ridiculous price to get in. Like most places charge you less to get in. And then like a hot dog and a Pepsi is 30 bucks. <laughs> you know, no, that's how I they do make know. their money. Absolutely. Um, in fact, I could probably go for one of those uh, Boondine bread uh, soup bowls in oh. the French Quarter, and that's oh. two meals. Are you kidding me? That's That soup is so dense, and it comes with a huge-ass piece of bread that uh, you... <laughs> it's like, oh, I need to walk this off for an hour type of thing. Right, and, right. And... You know, there are ways around, you know, just trying to say like, oh, you, you know, you should try and rationalize this or that. It's Disney. There is no rationalization. You, you're paying for memories. Right. You and can't and, they're, and they're great. And they're great memories. And they're evergreen. Like, it's the exact same memory your dad had when he went. Like, that. that's even though they upgrade it, they update mm -hmm. it, the memory is still, it's that, it's otherworldly. You can stand at one end of Disney and it's designed in a way where you look and you just think Disney goes on forever. Like yeah. you, you don't feel like you're, you're in the real world. And, and that's, oh man, imagine if Blockbuster had made something like that. See, and that's, that's what I was getting at too. I was like, what if I could escape it? I mean, cause that's why most people came in anyway, is that yeah. they, that's why they went to the movies. That's why they came in here. They needed, they wanted that escape. They want to distract themselves you know, for a little bit out of their normal week to, to see, you know, to, to hear a story, to, you know, see uh, someone's artistic vision or learn about something in a documentary or play a new video game. 
something that helps them escape. And I think that was the overall theme of just movies and games in general. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and, and Disney hit on that on a very wide level. And, oh, Blockbuster, and Blockbuster did the same thing. They, they brought you in and cultivated the, like, they, they took it from just being the niche. This is a bunch of geeks that are way into it and brought it to the masses. But the stores still felt like specialty stores. Like, it yeah. still felt like if you wanted the experience of, I want to talk to a guy about, you know, the entire filmography of Christopher Lee for 45 minutes while he rings customers out. You could do that. And you could also come in and just go, sell me some stupid Michael Bay movie because I want to see shit blow up. And we'd also get you that. You know what I mean? Like we, we, we were never one to, um, to undermine someone's enthusiasm, right? No, no. In fact, uh, since we were one of the smaller stores, we sometimes, uh, got these, uh, requests, you know, like for when we didn't have a particular movie. And then there was this, like this long form that you had to fill out and like had the manager mail out in order for them to obtain the movie. Is it, does the store purchase it or I wasn't, I wasn't in management, so I didn't know how that worked. Exactly. Yeah, that was... Uh, I don't quite remember how that worked. Okay, so there was this form, apparently, that, uh, you know, Steve had his fill. He said, if somebody asks for a movie, you fill out this following form, you look it up oh, in the no, computer yeah, no, the, system. The, the, it, was, it, was, it was just a weird transaction, right? Like, the yeah. store... The store would... So, for, for sale, they'd charge the person, but, like, the store would buy it, and then they would buy it on their account when it came in to even out the transaction. Right. So apparently I had, I had filled out this form for this guy who uh, said he wanted like every single disc that there was to this series called bubblegum crisis. Yes. 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 (laughs) It was a big, big collection apparently. And um, uh, after I had, literally probably spent an hour and a half filling out all of these forms and getting all the codes and PCs and everything to get sent out. He's like, Oh man, could you do me a favor and order it? I don't have the money on me right now. And I'm just like, really? And so I talked to Steve. I was like, Hey Steve, this guy actually wants to buy like, you know, $250 worth of DVDs. You think we can order them and just call them when they get in so that he can buy them. So Steve was a little reluctant at first, but um, he was okay with it. We got them in, tried to call the guy when they came in, numbers disconnected. Of course. (laughs) We had that entire set sitting on that new shelf probably until the store closed, I imagine, because I left in 2002. That's never crazy. You know what was funny about that, um, the, the way the Blockbuster inventory system worked, is the store, so the company did a bad job, but they still did, like they demographicked their stores, because no store is going to be able to have everything, right? So yeah. you'd see, you know, you go to like an urban area, and they're going to have every Fast and the Furious ripoff that's ever been made on the new <laughs> release wall, and you know, you go um, to, you know the Midwest, you know, and it's going to be, you know, blue collar comedy tours and, um, you know, the, the left behind movies, you know, they, they definitely 
knew a little bit about the area. We, I, I worked in a store that was right on the line of between Swampscott and Marblehead. And Marblehead was a highly Jewish community. So you could see the way the movie swayed there. And you're just like, this is a little weird. <laughs> well, the way the inventory system worked is if you special ordered enough of weird stuff, you'd start getting them in for rent. Whoa. So, like, we had a lot of customers that liked to, to special order anime as well, like Bubblegum Crisis and stuff. And so, after a while, we started getting in a ton of that for, like, backlog. And it was oh. – so, you could you could actually influence your inventory by weird special orders. So, my, my brother was the king of buying, like, weird, strange stuff just to – just, like, you know, uh, I kind of want to own this movie. You know, I'll pay 20 bucks to get it here. And then the store would be like, you want three more movies like this weird thing that no one wants. <laughs> and then we could, uh, um, you know, use that to broaden people's horizons a little bit. And I think that was a lot of fun. The, well, it's, the almost fr- like, it's almost like they had the you might also like algorithm from Netflix before they had it. Well, they, they actually did. Um, oh, did they? I think it was manually programmed, but the okay. older movies, they stopped doing it on the new releases after a while. But all the favorite titles, if you look, they'd on the back, it would say, if you like this, you'd also like it. It would list five movies. And huh. the idea was you were supposed to only recommend those five movies because the algorithm, when that was printed, wanted you to only recommend those movies. So it was, you know, this is what company is paying us the most money this month. That's so cool. So um, after I had gone, well, actually, after I had uh, married my wife, so she had two kids before I met her. Mm-hmm. And her, her oldest actually got a job at a Blockbuster before that, before all the stores really started closing. And one cool thing that they did is um, they had um, the associates pull their favorite movies and they put them up in front of the registers and be like, this is, you know, Gino's favorites, and this is Omar's favorites, and this is Jesse's oh, this, favorites. This must have been a franchise. Cor- corporate oh, yeah. lit us on fire for that. And I thought, this is great. They already have recommendations right there at the register. Somebody could just pick up and go, you know, something that has already been recommended. And the reps aren't having to say a thing at all. It's like, this is genius. I wish I had done this back when I was in the store type of thing yeah, did you we, experience that oh yeah no we we used to do it um we we would put up our employee favorites near the register at all our stores and um we had a rule in the district that um you have it up and if um you know you're gonna get secret shopped or district <laughs> gonna come in you put it away if you and know it, yeah and it comes it would come back and you'd get in trouble every once in a while but um because we'd have employees that were amateur critics they'd put out film reviews for the new releases and oh, corporate hated well. that Um, you know, uh, it was, but if you, do you, have you listened to my episode on, or do you know who Alan Payne is? No, but it's, it's probably, it's going to be on my to-do list. Yeah. So I'm just going to say this, the reason the the franchise discussion goes that way. So you're going to meet Alan Payne in the documentary when you're going to get to a point he's in it. And Alan Payne is the most successful blockbuster franchisee ever. Um, he was a franchise owner for 25 years. He had franchises in El Paso, Texas, and he was in charge of the stores in Alaska, which were the last stores in America to close before Bend, Oregon. So there was Alaska, Australia, and Bend, Oregon were the last three. And so he's in this movie and he just released a book called Built to Fail, which was his view as a franchisee about 
what Blockbuster did wrong. But no, it's not in a cynical way. It's just to shed light on the fact that here's all this stuff that they did great. And then us franchisees learned and adapted this way and corporate didn't want to listen. And here I am talking to you where my store just closed a year and a half ago as of the writing of this book and corporate stores closed in 2011, you know? So it's like I, I sustained for another nine years and he talked about the employee favorites and the fact that every favorite title was a buck. (laughs) That's what they did. He said his stores had bigger favorite sections than all of the corporate stores. And he said, what was funny is the competition learned from this because a lot of the areas where Hollywood videos and stuff would open first were in the areas the Blockbuster franchised out to. So mm-hmm. Hollywood videos and places would follow the f- Blockbuster franchise business model, which focused more on a getting a good um, demographic library section. And what he said is if a customer came in and said, I really want to rent breakfast at Tiffany's and shit, we don't have that. You know what? Come in next Friday and we'll have it. Hmm. he said and i would go out of my way he goes and we'd drop money to own that movie and you know what that person would tell his friends that we literally got in a product just for him yep like and and that's and it, it was amazing to hear you know and the 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 last blockbuster documentary will, will will shed light on this but the book even more that the writing was on the wall in like the mid to late 90s not that blockbuster was going to fail when it did but that it was destined to because the company was obsessed with growing, 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 and not being the best at what they were doing. They took something that worked in 1992 and did it the same way until the day they closed the last store. And they didn't adapt and they didn't learn and they thought they were untouchable because, of course, they were untouchable. And in 1999, that, that, that was, in, you know billion dollar business <laughs> you know they weren't going yeah. anywhere you know no, this is true i mean it's like somebody trying to say we're gonna build the best damn payphone there ever was yeah you could <laughs> you could probably build the best damn payphone there ever was but someone's gonna make something that's better than a payphone like yeah. you know and because a lot of people think it was the netflix thing and netflix was just a symptom you know right they they were part of the world adapting and the video stores could have been part of that. I am really surprised that Blockbuster didn't initially try to get out ahead as far as their own original content. I mean, even more so. Yeah. Oh, make themselves a studio, like follow yeah. like what Amazon and everything have done that. I mean, I guess their outlook was that all of their ownership were studios. So why do we have to? But... <laughs> But you'd think like Paramount would have started going like, or Viacom, you know what? Throw Blockbuster Productions on a couple of these movies. See, see, see how it rings. I mean, you're all, you're already discussing big movies as Blockbusters. Yeah. You could have the Blockbuster of Blockbuster Productions. Yeah. It, it, it was something that, like you said, the company just didn't see it. They didn't see the brand and again the book the the book is so fascinating and and it goes into this but it talks about how they they did not see themselves as a movie rental company they were a business they were an entertainment company and they didn't understand what that meant 
And he said, you know, it, it was fascinating to see them always try to rebrand it. And he said, and valiantly so. I mean, when they brought in, um, was it, it was either Jim Keyes or John, no, yeah, it was Jim Keyes, who was the 7-Eleven guy. And right. his approach was turn it into a convenience store. And, and that wasn't a bad idea, but people didn't want to be sold a billion things when they came to a blockbuster that turned customers off. They were avoiding the stores that did that by coming to a blockbuster. They wanted a movie and snacks and that was it, you know? Right. And I I think a a part of the allure too, was not knowing what you wanted kind of being like, I, I want a movie but I don't know which movie I want. And I think, I think there's a, uh, I've, I've talked to people about this before. I think there is not a streaming service that exists that has tried to replicate the experience of a blockbuster. The streaming services are all set up to be Apple products. They're mm-hmm. set up to be, there's an unlimited amount of stuff, but we're going to make it be very focused right now because we want you to look at certain things and not feel overwhelmed. But a blockbuster, what was fun about it is that it was overwhelming and yeah. you'd go in shit. They don't have the movie I want. Am I going to ask one of these guys what else I should render? Or am I going to browse? There's no browsing anymore, you know, nope. and they're not set up to be browsable. Like I, I was saying, you know, wouldn't it be cool as like a test run if someone made a virtual video store <laughs> and, and I don't mean like just as an idea, see like test run this, like get, get people out there that have Oculuses and everything else and yeah. make like your Netflix or whatever, become a video store that you walk in and you go, this is the action section and you can walk down it and look at the movies that are there and see see how quickly people react well to that. Cause that's a muscle memory thing. That's something we remember. Um, and maybe there's a way to make the Netflix model mirror that, you know, yeah, you can yeah. go down and here's action and here's adventure, but even Netflix, there's so many dumb like categories. They don't just do drama, horror, children's new release. They do, you know, psychological thriller, <laughs> terror, um, yeah. you know, um, Dramatic suspense, suspenseful drama, adult-oriented children's films, you, you just, like foreign movies with a cartoon twist. It's like just give me like the five categories and let me go through it. Like I don't need this cultivated. Like you type the word horror in and you you don't get all the horror movies on Netflix. Right. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. That should be a no-brainer. Oh, you could take it a step further, make it interactive, have different avatars walking around like Ready Player One. Seriously, like, you know, and like, I think the biggest, the, the, and again, I like the idea of you might also like the, you might also like is a good thing, but let the, you might also like be a rabbit hole, like, like a YouTube click rabbit hole that you can go down of. No, I don't want to just click the, you might also like, and have you play that movie. Let me click on it. Let it expand. Like what else Ooh. might I also like? You know? Yeah. Like I, when I you get know. lost when you get lost in subreddits. No, I- exactly. And and that that's yeah. what a blockbuster was like. It was like a contained subreddit. Yeah. And, um, and the only thing I found on the internet that's even close to that experience, at least the the interactive experience, is the good parts of Twitter. You know, the two percent of Twitter that <laughs> um is actually good film discourse. So yeah, um, 
something I always always like to touch on was: Did you ever do inventory? Yes, had to do that a few times, and uh, actually thought it was kind of fun. It was fun. Did you guys like have any like? Um, I'm imagining. Did you have a good camaraderie in your store? Did you get along with you know the people that weren't Steve, um, well, <laughs> or or was it kind of just everybody doing their own thing and um, you didn't really interact? I had a select few that I got along with more so than than the rest but inventory was cool i mean we we just kind of played music had snacks and did our thing and um you know on occasion would you know hit up denny's afterwards yeah denny's there we go yeah oh so that was not just our stuff we everywhere. had our we had our table they they would they would you know be like oh we'll put you guys at the table because <laughs> we'd be there like for five hours yeah man just talk until the sun came up a really funny story about post inventory Denny's that okay. again, it's from a much earlier episode. So I'll, I'll, I'll re- repeat it for your, uh, your enjoyment and see if you ever had anything like this. So I'm 17 years old. And so I couldn't work past 10 o'clock at night. So if I ever stuck around for a closing shift or did an inventory, my boss would pay me under the table. Um, He's one of my best friends and he just like enjoyed hanging out with me. So it's like, you know what? You're here, but you're not on the clock. We can't get in trouble. And we're, you know, most of the time it was just me shooting the shit with everybody. And we would put on movies uh, over the store play for inventory. We'd put quotable movies like, uh, Oh brother, where art thou clerks, Jane, Silent Bob strike back pulp fiction. You know, you just, you go down the list, things that were fun that you didn't really have to watch. You could just talk, you know? Mm. And you know, you had the long extended scanners. What he would do is he would hollow out the middle of the soda machines. So like there'd be three or four Cokes on each side, but the center would be beer and he'd let it get nice and cold. And everyone on inventory would drink even (laughs) 17 year old me. Uh, (laughs) And uh, we went to Denny's you know, and we're hanging out there at eight 30 in the morning rolls around and the morning shift people were going to be there at nine to open the store. And he went shit. And we're like, what? And he goes, we didn't freaking clean up the empties. <laughs> oh. So we drive back to the store, <laughs> clean up the empties. And the opening shift manager who was not a good person and ended up being like someone who was stealing from the company and, and got fired, but comes in and catches us all standing there and the store manager is like, um, uh, sorry, I, you, you would have been asleep. So I didn't want to say it, but during the inventory, we found some issues. So I'm calling an impromptu store meeting. And that's, <laughs> it's like smooth, buddy. <laughs> smooth. Oh man. That was brutal. But did you have any, like, uh, so the Denny's, um, did you like guys go there frequently enough that they knew you like the employees at this Denny's knew, Oh, here comes the blockbuster crew. We'll throw you uh, down the end away from the regulars. Yeah. Well, not so much like after inventory, like I guess, cause I wasn't on every inventory, but I had a friend of mine that I'm still friends with to this day that sometimes after our shift, like, cause we usually for whatever reason were scheduled at the same time would hit up Denny's just cause we like it overall and they seem to they seem to get us on a routine like every thursday and sunday i think it was and so and like the same we saw a lot of times we had the same server who already knew our order and drink and like you know we would usually 
it was like a routine almost. It was almost like if something interrupted this, it would almost like sidetrack us for the day. It was so routine. At that yeah. Point. Oh yeah. My, my buddy, um, Jeremy and Steve frequented mm-hmm. Denny's so much cause they were, they closed, they were the closing shift duo. Um, and, and Steve would always cover it. So he joked, uh, the, the old Simpsons joke, you know, remember that joke I always made about NASA having to, uh, figure out your bar tab. The results came back, you know, it was always like the joke, but Jeremy's order was always the same. And Jer- Jeremy is the absolute best. His order was always the same. It was an order of cheese fries covered in smothered French slam eggs covered, smothered another order of cheese fries and a half carafe of cherry diet Coke. Dear Lord. Like, why does it have to be diet Coke, Jeremy? I'm trying to watch my <laughs> calorie intake. <laughs> The, the fact that you said covered and smothered twice has no, yep. no he was he, J- Jeremy is a riot. Jeremy, Jeremy oh, is such, such a good friend, but it was just always the same order. And, yeah. uh, and Steve, Steve, um, was eating the entire menu. That was his idea. So he, he wanted to have ordered everything and he saved the super bird for last. The, oh, uh, man. The, the, the Turkey club, the super bird. To- I have to wonder how many people out there have a Jeremy and a Steve in their blockbuster history. Right? Oh yeah, no, it was it's so good. They they were they were uh, they're just two of my very best friends and oh, that that's awesome. closed. Um the yeah. last time the last time I ever went to it, my store manager had come to visit um long after we had worked there. This was now probably 5 6 years ago and wow. I was like, you know what? If you're coming to visit and hang out, we're going to Denny's. And we went to <laughs> Denny's like two in the morning, and like it closed a week later. It was kind Aww. of like, well, got to be in on almost almost some of the last orders. And the the other funny thing about that Denny's is it was all right near the local dollar theater, like the cheap theater that would run midnight movies. And yeah. so we would always, if it was a Friday night, you'd be there with the Rocky Horror folk. Oh, and that yeah. was always fun because a lot of the time it was people that worked at our store too. So it's like, this is awesome. Oh. Yeah, it's nice to know what you look like in drag. No, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, with, with Paul, we already knew, but oh, okay. Uh, no, no, but uh, it's, <laughs> you're right though. It's like, Oh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't realize the, the weird old manager um, was a Dr. Frankenfurter fan. Okay. Here, <laughs> here we go. Um, so since, since this has been going on for, for a while and I'm having an yep. absolute blast, number one, I'd like to say I'd love to have you back on any time because I think we could just go on forever, which is great. Oh, great, great. Two, yeah, I really two, I really appreciate. And three, I'd like to give you um, the, the microphone to say anything we might have missed, give a shout out, any, anything you want. Uh, the, the, the floor is yours, sir. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, uh, just leading up to Blockbuster, I was actually quite uh, – squeamish like i love movies but at the thought of actually being on stage scared the hell out of me all right Uh, which is interesting enough because my life just evolved so much over time so when i was in high school i tried out for a a play i auditioned for a play i was going for the same part of my friend who invited me um i didn't know what i was doing um i just sort of let it all out there, which is very uncharacteristic of me at the time. I actually beat him out for the part. Oh, wow. Which, which was just crazy. So that was sort of the start of my interest in it. And then uh, as of junior and senior year, I took drama those two years because I missed out the first two because I was 
still in my own little scared hole. While uh, before I worked for Blockbuster, I worked for the movie theater. So I was actually seeing movies in the theater um, before, you know, they came over to us. And uh, when I got the job at Blockbuster, I was like, peace, AMC, I'm out. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, bigger and better things. <clears throat> and then years later, um, after, uh, you know, going to school for a few years and starting my career in the in the financial industry, I I took some classes learning uh, improvisation, acting, comedy and whatnot. And to this day, uh, I've just that's just kind of been something that I've continued to do over the years. In fact, uh, I belong to a local theater here in Phoenix called Second Beat Improv. Uh, I play on two improv teams. Uh, one is called Hearts on Fire Improv, and the other one is called Schmeckel Improv. Uh, they are both can be found on Facebook, as can Second Beat Improv. Uh, we post all of our shows live and the recorded versions as well. And feel free to uh, drop us a like, catch a view if you'd like, uh, let us know in the comments what you think of our shows. That's really all I wanted to plug at this point, but, uh, oh, I will end on this part. So I'll tell you how I got let go, if you will. I put that in quotations. <laughs> <laughs> so. I thought, I thought it, what I did was justified in this. Um, so right around the time when I was working there, uh, PlayStation 2 was super hot, right? Yep. Okay. So as you know, as well as I do, employees got, was it 20% discount on retail merchandise? Yes. Okay. So we had already had three employees at the store before our new manager that replaced Steve came in that had already taken advantage of this discount <laughs> and 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 uh the new manager comes in and be like no more discounts on the ps2s we're gonna lose money on that you know type of thing and i'm just like this is some shit right here right because i'm i'm like i'm like 19 years old i work for almost nothing that that 20 is gonna buy me my first game if i if i have enough money to buy the system right yeah. so i take it upon myself to go to our sister store and you know, down the road. And I say, I'm like, uh, Hey, I'd like to buy a PS2, but I'm also an employee. We ran out of stock at our store. Is it okay if I buy it here, you know, with my discount and the dude's like, Oh, I'm not sure. And so he called my store and, uh, talked to one of the assistant managers there. And I was like, all right, well, you know, maybe they won't say who it is and whatnot. So they gave him my number. I was like, let me just get my PlayStation, get out the door. It came back to the store manager. She pulled me in. She's like, this is the end. And I'm just like, oh, you know, at first I was I was not wanting to hear it. And I just tried to plead my case over and over. It got to the point where she was just like, you need to leave or I'm calling the police. Wow. <laughs> and at first I was like, I was like, Carrie, Carrie, come on. You know, this is this is not three people here already did this before you even got here. And, and I was like, I didn't even buy it from this store. So, you know, I don't see what the big deal is. And uh, she ended up dialing them and I was like, all right, I'm out. I won't be back. And I said my piece. So. Wow. <laughs> that that's kind of, that's crappy. Yeah. I thought it would been okay. Wow. Well, dude, um, the, the improv thing, I just had a great big smile on my face all the time because you, it resonates with me because I I used to have the heart like 
if you had told me six years ago that I was going to have a podcast yeah. or several and put myself yeah. out here all the time, I guess I'd never think it. And since I've started doing this, I've, you know, gotten into karaoke. I, and now I look back and go, it was a complete missed opportunity. I should have done drama in high school. Like I would have loved yeah. it. And yeah. I, um, I actually have a friend from college that like was kind of the same way and got into improv the second time he went to college and um, is started in a Dungeons and Dragons podcast called Adventure Incorporated with his improv team. And it is amazing. (laughs) Like just add like improv comedy into, you know, a role-playing game and just goes to hell and it's wonderful. And uh, they have a really good time. So um, please, uh, please shoot me the links to, um, to those things so I can put them in the description because I want to help promote that and I want to watch it because I love that stuff. Yeah, well, so we've been doing Zoom shows for the last year because obviously our theater's been closed. Of course. But, but we do have the videos from when we were in person. So if you're more of like the physical comedy type, you can scroll back a little bit further. But uh, the Zoom shows are kind of wonky and wacky too. They're kind of fun to watch also. I like it. I, I, I like it all, dude. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you so much um, for, for joining me for this. I really appreciate it. No, it's been, it's been a blast, man. Thank you so much. Take care. Of course. Thank you, Jeremy, for coming on. Um, Thank you all for listening. Thank you for making it a talkbuster night or day or whenever you're listening and please be kind, rewind, and we'll talk to you all soon. Bye.